Welcome fellow horror hounds and welcome to the latest episode of Talk and Stalk, your unholy home for horror. I'm your host as always, Barry, and today's podcast is going to be devoted to a slasher movie released during the Golden Age, released in 1981, and that is My Bloody Valentine. Now, recently I've been focusing on some of the slasher films from the Golden Age, the likes of The Burning, The Prowler, Terror Train, The Funhouse... And of course, you know, this podcast has been a long time coming. How could my bloody Valentine be possibly left out? Um, This is, I'm just going to go off right off the bat now. Um, You know, my bloody Valentine to me is actually one of the best slasher films out there. It's certainly one of the best slasher movies of the golden period. And, uh, you know, this is a film that certainly does have a an ardent fan base this film definitely does have a cult following and among slasher fans it is widely regarded as being one of the best ones out there now obviously riding in the success of the likes of halloween and friday the 13th you know friday the 13th being the first slasher movie to actually be backed by a major studio that being paramount Um, but it was halloween that really showed that these films can make you know good money at the box office and uh, My Bloody Valentine, released in early 81, was also a courtesy of Paramount. Now, I'm going to quickly say that what really makes this film stand out to me is really, I really like the setting. Um, I believe it was actually shot, the shooting location was Sydney Mines in Nova Scotia, which is a real mining town, in fact. So there's a great kind of level of authenticity to it. And it was chosen because of its very kind of rustic, atmospheric appearance. Um, you know, kind of a little bit of a trivia. It's quite interesting. But uh, when the locals found that they were going to be filming there, they spent like forty, fifty thousand dollars, I think, to have the mine painted and cleaned. And this completely diminished the reason that the production wanted to shoot there. They they wanted that location because of what it looked like initially. So I think they actually spent like seventy five thousand of the film's budget to basically return the mine to how it looked before they cleaned it. Um, and of course, this proved to be a pretty challenging shoot. The film was actually shot in real mines, which I believe were around 900 feet underground. Um, and only certain lighting devices could actually be used um, in the mines because of like the potential danger of methane explosions. I think they had to be really careful as to how many bulbs they were using, for example. Um, so, yeah, there's a great level of authenticity. I really like the mine setting. Um, the kind of small mining town, this kind of like, you get this sense of kind of a close-knit kind of community almost in this in this small town. And it's what really makes this film stand out from so many other slasher films, in my opinion. Um, now, quickly getting on to the killer. Again, uh, the killer in this movie, much like in 81's The Prowler, uh, I think it's a killer that stands out um, in this movie. We get a miner, and it's it kind of a, almost kind of creepy kind of look. To, to the killer, uh, cool, albeit creepy, you know, just taking kind of a, a normal, well, not, not normal in the, you know, the, the strictest sense, but, you know, a profession and actually kind of putting a kind of dark twist on it, if you will. Um, you know, with the Prowler, for example, the killer, um, the killer being a GI, again, I think that's a killer that really kind of stands out. And these two films do actually have some similarities to them. Um, you know, with this movie, it's, uh, you know, it follows the kind of tropes of, of so many other slasher films. And not to compare with, again, with, you know, The Prowler. Um, but basically, you know, what happened is there's a Valentine's dance uh, that's been a tradition for, I believe it's a hundred years or so. 
And uh, 20 years prior to this movie, uh, seven miners were down in the mine while the dance was going on. Two supervisors actually left the mine, um, you know, so eager to get back, back to the dance. And uh, five men were basically effectively killed. They, they weren't taken out um, uh, safely. And one man actually survived. When they actually went down there to check under the rubble, one man survived and uh, had resorted to cannibalism um, in order to survive. And basically, he was institutionalised for a year. I believe he escaped. And uh, on Valentine's Day, uh, he actually returned to the town and committed a series of murders. Um, so we have that kind of Halloween thing, you know, uh, an escaped maniac, if you will. Um, now, the thing is, the original idea for this film I believe its original title was going to be called The Secret and then they actually decided that to kind of keep in with the kind of seasonal tradition of slasher movies we had the likes of Black Christmas and Halloween and you know even though it's not season Friday the 13th and uh, prom night to kind of like you know keep with that kind of uh, trend of uh attributing slasher movies to certain holidays and that so it was actually called my bloody valentine um now this film has actually got some great deaths uh this is actually i think one of the more brutal slasher films of the period um this actually has i think some of the best practical effects away from tom savini within the slasher subgenre um, I believe that some of the gory creations were actually realistic enough that George McCullough, the director, actually felt nauseous actually seeing some of the effects in this film. Now, I actually, this, this movie is also quite notable for being heavily censored. I believe there was around nine minutes of cuts made. Now, I've actually seen the uncut edition or as, as much of the material as, act, as is accessible um, for this film, and yeah, as I said, this film is uh, this film has got some really cool deaths, much like the Prowler. Um, as I said, I think this is, has some of the best deaths in within the slasher genre to have not been done by Tom Savini. Um, you know, it, this film really takes no time in getting going. You know, we get this opening of the film, uh, this you know this this blonde haired woman undressing, uh, the very kind of sexual component going on here. And she's, you know, she's quickly killed. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, what in this movie as well, we get this um, this first death with uh, Mabel, who's the old lady that's uh, organising the Valentine's dance. And, I mean, her death. Now, it's actually done off screen, but there's a very kind of sadistic nature uh, to this movie with the kills. And, uh, yeah, she's, her body is actually being put in a dryer. In a tumble dryer or washing machine. I'm not sure which it is. Um, but upon actually seeing her corpse when the police officer actually arrives, uh, you actually get to see her body kind of, you know, going around in the drum for a few seconds. And it's it's pretty hardcore. It looks, you know, uh, it's, it's a very kind of effective moment, if you will. Um, so basically, the Valentine's dance, uh, if it happens again... Um, if it resumes, because as I said, this is the first time in 20 years that this dance has actually been opened again. Uh, that Harry Ward and they receive a warning. Um, I believe Mabel actually gets a warning, actually. Um, roses are red, violets are blue, one is dead, so are you. Um, I like the little kind of letters, the little notes, the little valentines um, 
notes that, uh, well, we believe it's to be Harry Warden. That's the thing. Harry Warden was actually institutionalised, as I say. And uh, during the course of the film, they're trying to find out, you know, what's happened. Has Harry Warden actually escaped? Well, spoiler alert, we actually, you know, come to learn that Harry Warden actually died years ago. We find this out at the end of the movie. Harry Warden is not the killer. And there's actually a kind of a twist, if if you want to call it that, kind of a killer reveal. There's, you know, there's a bit of a big subplot that's really at the core of this movie as well. Uh, the big subplot being there's kind of a love triangle. Uh, there's two characters, Axel and TJ, and uh, TJ was actually with this girl, and he moved away, did a runner, and she's now ended up with his, uh, well, not sure if I'd use the term friend or work colleague, um, but she's actually dating him now, and then TJ arrives back on the scene, and it's this kind of, now I know some people have kind of criticised this film for that, but I like it. I like the fact that there's a bit of a love triangle. It gives a sense of realism to me, a level of kind of authenticity, which you don't really see too often, you know, in films of this uh, of this genre, of this subgenre at least. Um, so this kind of love triangle, she still clearly loves TJ, but she's now with Axel. And in a way, I kind of feel sorry for Axel in a bit. I don't think he's a, like a complete dick or anything like that. Uh, TJ did a runner. I mean, I don't think any of these guys are particularly bad. It's obviously they just clash. They both want the same woman. And uh, yeah, so... Quickly getting back to some of the kills in that in this film. Um, as I said, now I watched the uncut edition. That is the version to watch, certainly without a doubt. As I said, there was a lot of cuts made. The violence was very much kind of trimmed down. And uh, there's another death to me that really kind of stands out in this film as well. It's where uh, the killer actually picks up the woman and she basically gets impaled onto kind of this... I'm not sure what it is, like pipes, this water thing. And then the killer turns it on and his water's coming out of her mouth. It's kind of like an awesome effect. It's a really kind of like badass kill. Um, and then, of course, uh, not long before that, you know, there's a guy's head that's put into the, uh, I think it's like the deep fat fryer. Um, again, you know, like I said, some of the deaths in this film are pretty, pretty sadistic. They're pretty, they're pretty hardcore. Um you know, and there's another character that's actually killed in the film that's killed with a nail gun as well. Um, again, if you watch the cut edition, you really don't see that much of it. Um, but if you watch the uncut edition, uh, you get to see, yeah, there's, like I said, a more kind of sadistic nature to it. Um, now, with the killer reveal in this film as well, quickly jump into the end of that. Um, we find out it's Axel. Axel actually witnessed the death of his father uh, when he was a kid 20 years prior. And of course, it's caused, it, it, it's obviously caused a mental breakage. And uh, towards the end of the movie, actually the end of the film, I really love the ending to the film. Now, this is the thing, right? This movie didn't get a sequel. And I know a sequel was talked about and it was something that was actually suggested but I don't believe the original film really made enough money at the box office to really kind of um, warrant one. Which is kind of a shame because this is one of them rare slasher movies um, where the killer is actually still alive. The killer is alive at the end of this movie and in a way it kind of screams sequel. There could be a sequel. Um, you know, basically we learn he says at the end, it's kind of chilling, he says, Harry, Harry, I'm coming. What is it? This whole fucking town is going to die. Uh, we're coming back, you bastards. And I love that final kind of like line where he says, Sarah, be my bloody Valentine. 
And then you kind of hear this, the movie ends with this kind of like evil laugh to it uh, that he actually gives. Um, all of the characters in this film uh, feel realistic to me. Uh, this isn't a film that's overtly sexual either. This isn't a film that has loads of people. There, you know, there's obviously the film starts with a woman taking her top off and that. And, you know, we see her in a bra and she's got this big heart tattoo and that. It's very almost symbolic. Um, but there really isn't much in the way of sex in this film at all. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, a couple of characters that go off to make out and stuff. And their kill was actually off screen as well. I believe it was originally to be shown. I don't believe there's any footage out there actually has it shown but we we see the aftermath of it they're killed with i'm not sure if it's like a giant drill thing or whatever um but yeah i, I think you know when they get to the mine they decide obviously the valentine's day dance has been has been cancelled so they decide you know what we're gonna throw our own little party we're gonna do it in the mine and as i said i think the mine makes for um, a really good setting, actually. And uh, I think the area was kind of filled with closed pit mines and bootleg mines. And uh, I believe the mine was actually shutting down. I think it's actually been dismantled now. Um, and uh, I think it's actually been turned into kind of a, a park and a museum and that as well. Um, but there's also like a folk ballad that kind of plays um, over the ending credits of this film as well. That I think the composer, Paul Zaza... Uh, kind of did it as kind of like an afterthought. Um, but I quite like it. It's a nice kind of folk song that kind of accompanies the uh, the end credits. But, yeah, also, like, we, you know, in this movie as well, um, what we get as well is a pretty high body count. Uh, this is a movie that, that... There's actually one character as well that I love in this film. He doesn't have much in the way of screen time, okay, but... Uh, this is going to get kind of get me on to his death. Now, he's the guy that warns him. He's kind of like the Ralph from Friday the 13th. He's warning him that you can't do this party. You're all going to die. You're doomed, blah, blah, and all that. I love that whole scene of him in the bar where they're, they're, they're playing that game with the knife. I'm not sure what it's actually called. And he's warning him. And that's where we get the backstory. We find out about Harry Warden and the bad history of this town. And he's actually trying to scare the kids, um, you know, and uh, he actually he's setting up this uh, the miner, what's presumed to be like, you know, Harry Warding up behind this door. So as soon as they open the door, it's, it's going to scare him. Um, what we actually get, I love it because he's taking some great delight in doing this, you know, in scaring these kids. Um, but when he actually opens it. You know, there's a bit of a pause. He opens it a few times and then he, he goes back to try it one last time. And he ends up getting killed himself. You know, the killer is in there. And what an awesome death it is. As I said, you've got to watch this, the uncut version. Uh, because what we see is the pickaxe go right through his throat and out his eye socket. And it just looks awesome. It's just an awesome effect. Not to sound sadistic, um, but it's a really cool death. Um, so through the throat and out the eye socket and he then gets dragged off it's it's one of the better and this film actually has quite a few great deaths but that's certainly without a doubt one of the best if not the best in my opinion um so yeah and uh you know also i think like i said i think there was nine minutes worth of of, of cuts in this film and it was heavily trimmed down, and it was, it was always kind of like, from what I understand, it was always one of them slasher movies 
that was kind of like people knew about it, but there was probably not a huge amount of people that had seen it about the time. But it, it managed to garner a lot more popular popularity through word of mouth. And it was one of them films because its critic reviews weren't exactly great. They were very kind of mixed. Um, and it wasn't. It was a film that made nowhere near the amount as what Friday the 13th or Halloween did. But it has certainly gone on to garner a large cult following. Um, now, obviously, there was actually a remake released in 2009, which I'm not actually ashamed to admit. I like it. I enjoy it. I think as slasher movie remakes go, it is actually one of the better ones out there, along with Sorority Row, which actually was actually released the very same year, 2009. Um, you know, and like I said, with, with this film as well, just great realism to, to the characters, in my opinion. There's no one in this character that's actually unlikable either. There's no one in this film that I, I actually find even remotely annoying at all. Um, you know, there's another moment in the film where they're escaped from Harry Warden. I actually love the moment where Harry Warden is actually... Well, it's not Harry Warden, sorry. It's 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 Axel. Um, when he's actually smashing the lights out at the end of the film. I think that's really cool. And when he jumps atop on the uh, the kind of... Uh, the, what is it? Like the little minecart thing that's, that's going through the caves. And uh, we kind of get that, you know, that sequence towards the end just before the killer reveal. Um, but there's a moment as well uh, where the girl is actually climbing up the ladder and uh, there's kind of a moment where the dead body, um, I can't actually remember as to who it was now, but their body comes flinging down, the hung, and then the head falls off again, which is a moment that was uh, cut from the, uh, you know, the cut edition. Um, but, you know, I think just my bloody, I think this is a slasher movie that has really good pacing. Um, a really good setting. I think the actor that actually plays um, Axel has actually got the mining uh, helmet still. He's actually kept it since filming um, and has actually hung on to it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the thing is with as well with 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 my bloody Valentine. Um, I do I do think it's one of the best. I think it's one of the best slasher films out there. Um, I think you know as slasher movies go, certainly from the time period. This is one that has many of the ingredients that you'd come to expect from a Golden Age slasher movie. Okay, it's not it's not one of the overtly sexual ones or anything like that, but it's got great kills. It's got a cool, albeit scary-looking killer. It's got a really good setting, a setting that certainly, like I said, um, makes it stand out, which is what I really like about Terror Train as well, the very kind of claustrophobic aspect um, of that movie. Now, also, I think Neil Affleck um, actually said that I think that the identity of the film's killer was actually kept a secret from the cast. They didn't actually know who the killer was going to be, so presumably they even thought it could be Harry Warden himself. Um, but I think that I read that um, Affleck. I think he figured out he was the killer when after he was being cast, he was sent to the makeup effects department to be fitted for a fake arm. Because obviously, there's a scene at the end where he's actually biting off his own arm to obviously, you know, to be able to escape. Um, and obviously, much like you know Harry Warden um, to begin, you know, resorted to cannibalism. Uh, we kind of get that moment, you know, in the flashback sequence where they actually go through the rubble to try and find any survivors. And we get that kind of, that scream. We see that kind of mad, crazed look and that 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 kind of ear-piercing scream 
that um, he actually gives out. Um, and I think also, um, I, I'm pretty certain I read somewhere actually uh, that uh, Quentin Tarantino actually said that this is his all-time favourite slasher movie as well. Um, yeah, Tarantino, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go too much into topic, but off topic, should I say, uh, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, I always remember, and this really annoyed me, I know, I know I'm going a little off topic here, uh, but Quentin Tarantino, I remember when Hostel came out in 2005, and I always remember seeing some promo for it, and it said from like, it was something along the lines of, from the master of horror, Quentin Tarantino, I'm thinking, what the, what? Tarantino had never made a horror film, whatsoever. He was just obviously an executive producer, probably helped finance the movie in some shape, way or form. Um, but yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, My Bloody Valentine, uh, great slasher film, I think. And uh, like I said, I mean, I think some of the effects in this film are like, you know, I'm not saying that Tom Savini is a god. I mean, I don't know, among the SFX practical industry of horror, he's certainly up there, without a doubt. And this is one of them films that... You could probably be mistaken. You know, this could probably pass itself off as a Tom Savini film. You know, for its effects. Um, you know, as I said with The Prowler, I think The Prowler actually boasts some of Savini's best effects. And I know that I think it's the film that I think that he's actually most proud of. I think he actually said that in an interview. That he believes The Prowler to have his uh, to have his best work. So, and of course, you know, after this film, many seasonal slasher films kind of like followed. You know, uh, we had April Fool's Day in like 86. Um, you know, uh, there's loads more. They're not really springing to mind, but I'm sure there's a lot more since. Um, but yeah, My Bloody Valentine was one of the earlier ones. As I said, it was originally going to be called The Secret. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that's pretty much all I really want to talk about, uh, regarding this film. And of course it's also, uh, there's actually a band out there called My Bloody Valentine who have obviously named themselves after, after this movie as well. So it's very much a cult horror film and I'm quite looking forward to actually to get my hands on the Nika, uh, the Harry Warden, the minor figure as well. Um, which I believe has come out quite recently. And I never expected Nika to actually do a My Bloody Valentine Nika figure, but there you go. It just goes to show you just how popular this slasher film actually is. And just quickly getting back to uh, one other scene in that in the film, I'm not quite sure how, uh, with the killer reveal of Axel, I'm not quite sure, um, you know, how he got the miners outfit. Now, obviously... You know, he falls, takes a great fall into the water. I'm not quite sure, uh, you know, where he had the outfit, you know, if he had the outfit on standby. I think there was a scene earlier on in the film as well uh, where he's at the party, um, but then there's a murder. So I'm not sure how he was able to slink away in costume and then get back. And it's not a criticism at all or anything, <laughs> just merely an observation. Um, but I do like, for example, as well, uh, the first Valentine's thing that we get in the movie, the first Valentine's gift uh, when they're in the car. And, uh, you know, they get the message of uh, from the heart, from the heart comes a warning, I think it is, filled with bloody good cheer. Uh, remember what happened as the 14th draws near. Um, I really like them kind of uh, them Valentine's calling cards that uh, the killer actually gives. Um, so I think that's pretty much all I really want to talk about um, regarding my bloody Valentine for today. And uh, thanks a lot to everyone that listened. 
and I'll be back again soon to haunt you and torment you. Take care.